1: Hey listeners this is Brent Sutton welcome to the second season of the practice of learning teams on today's first 2021 episode being episode 16 the three authors of the book the practice of learning teams will explore dynamic risk and learning teams we will discuss what is dynamic risk what does it mean to workers how can our safety system support dynamic risk and what role does learning teams have in making dynamic risk more visible to organisation. Please join me, Glynis McCarthy, and Brent Robinson in this episode. On today's conversation, we're going to have a bit more of a chat about dynamic risk. Really, this whole uh, this term dynamic risk has really sort of become a bit of a 2020 term, hasn't it? It's become the word of the year. Um, I don't remember dynamic risk really being spoken about three, four years ago. I I, I do recall um, uh, things like critical risk was being overkilled and now it's been replaced by dynamic risk. And I thought today we might explore what's actually meant by it because it's a great great term to use but what's the meaning that sits behind it? And I'm sure we'll get lots of different feedback of what people think it is. But when I looked up The definition, or the difference between static and dynamic risk. Static risks are those which could exist in an unchanging world. And conversely, dynamic risks are those risks which result from change itself. And dynamic risks may rise from significant changes in the frequency or severity of existing sources of loss or from completely new sources. I feel like a little lie down now.
0: Well, it's pretty abstract, isn't it? And I wonder how much that that language set would resonate with the average worker.
2: I don't think it does.
0: And here is our problem, isn't it? That, you know, in health and safety, we are constantly using terms and constantly coming up with new terms that for a lot of the people that we are working alongside, actually those terms make no sense. They're, They're academic words for the sake of it. They don't explain what is happening for people. They don't provide them with any insight into how to do their job more safely or or in a different way. Actually, all it is is just words.
1: And every day they are facing that dynamic risk environment and that work that they're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's well worth kind of spending just a short amount of time really trying to unpack what does it mean? Yeah. What are we trying to convey to workers? How are we going to use our knowledge of this concept? How does that help to inform what good practice looks like?
1: So, rightfully or wrongfully, I actually had to come up with a meaning of it when I was uh, currently when I was um, doing a, a bit of a review for an organisation around some particular types of risks, and I, I basically stated um, that it, it's it's the variability and changing conditions of the hazardous situations that can occur. Remembering only workers are exposed to dynamic risk. So it was the variability and changing conditions of the hazardous situations that occur. In other words, the hazards are the same. How workers may interact may be different. And that variability and that interaction and other uh, environmental or other, other things that happen around them then create those different forms of hazardous situations. So you could take a simple form. You could basically have people working on the roof. We could basically say that one of the hazardous situations that, that could arise is a person um, tripping or slipping on the roof and basically falling off the edge. Now, is that risk dynamic if it's a cold day? Is that risk dynamic if it's a wet day? Is that risk different if there are more than one worker on the roof? Is that is that risk different if there's different types of plant and equipment on the roof?
2: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's where I see that you can use this word dynamic, or, you know, in a simpler form changing risk, but construction is definitely going to be one of those places, isn't it? You know, I can think of a, an example uh, recently where we had um, a team in a boom lift at, you know, um, probably 20 meters of, above the ground. And it's one of those all terrain boom lifts that can go over a construction site. And, you know, they've done their, done their, uh, their safe work method statement, all that had been done, rescue from height, harnesses, the whole the whole thing. But what changed for them was that another contractor came in and then dug a trench six meters behind where they were working and they were moving. So if they went down, you know, if the front wheels went down there, it was pretty dynamic if that happened, you know. And so there is a change happening and they were having to take into account those changes those so, changes weren't by them it was just part of the work that's going on, on that sure
1: side. so dynamic then is really characterized by that constant change of um activity or progress yep
0: and you think about some of us you think about a lot of the safety systems that we have in place that governs workers dumb they're all and they talk about risk and they infer risk as being static you know that you you follow a set of of work instructions that tells you, you know, in the best case scenario, this is how you do the you do the task. They, you know, they it's really difficult to capture that notion of dynamic risk when we're trying to provide something that is quite flat um, that governs practice. You know, I yeah. think we need to spend a lot more time with workers really exploring what does dynamic risk look like for them and what are the contingency plans. That they have. For if they start something and find that something has changed, how do they back out of it in a way that maintains their safety and the integrity of what it is that they're doing? You know, I think they spend far too much time kind of glossing over dynamic risk and trying to imagine that if we put in place these controls, that you know that that dynamic component of it is 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 reduced when in fact it's still present.
1: So dynamic risk is a, is a construct that is useful from an organisational perspective or from a practitioner's perspective, but it really doesn't have any construct from a worker's point of view because they don't really have a lot of choice, do they? No, they they have do yeah, they're doing right. a job. They're doing a so, job. So it's an interesting construct. So when I think about it, one of the advantages of a learning team is a learning team is about creating that uh, visibility of that dynamic risk without telling workers that they it is a dynamic risk environment? Because that, that yeah. becomes meaningless to them.
2: I think they already get that it's dynamic. They know that their job's changing from day to day. Even, you know, and I think we think about factory, people working in factories or some of those um, institutions, you know, healthcare. That's also super dynamic every day, isn't it? You know, that we're seeing that, that the jobs are changing and the material's changing and there's other things that are changing around them. And um, I think, the, you know, back to Glynis's point, is that we have the static view. And I think the reason we have that is that it's easier to write down.
0: It is, absolutely.
2: We don't want to think about the variability or the dynamic um, nature of the work.
1: And look, it's... Um... Uh, You know, once again, it's what people are trying to uh, sort of be faced with every day in what they're doing. And, you know, I look at it, and a lot of these safe systems of work, these take fives, these checklists, they keep focusing on the hazards themselves. They don't focus on the hazard situations that can arise. You know, and how can we do that? And a really good example, um, I think for me, would be around the difference between sort of like fixed plant versus mobile plant. Fixed plant, we, we pretty much know how it can hurt you. There's only about sort of seven or eight ways that plant can basically hurt you. Yep. But that plant by its nature is static because it's actually fixed in a particular position. But when plant becomes mobile, it behaves completely differently. And you know, a good example would be things like forklifts. We we know that the, the 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 size of the forklift, you know, its mass, the load that it's carrying, and the speed that it's travelling at, is going to have a direct consequence on a person if they are struck. Yep. But that consequence is different as to whether the forklift is going in a straight direction or whether it's turning. Because when it's turning, it's basically it's it's basically travelling at a higher speed as the wheels turn at the rear and that has a direct effect on the person. But we don't describe people, we don't describe that to people. We say to them, keep clear of the forklift. Yep. Keep clear. And we don't describe these hazardous situations that can arise. So if, if we're trying to get people to think more about those environments and how dynamic risk is going to exist, we need to give them some type of frame for them to actually think about it and create that because it's, it's a. Would you think it's a thinking skill, Glennis, or? A f-
0: yeah, definitely. I think I think it's it's kind of that whole gambit, isn't it? It's about um, thinking, knowing, managing, reflecting. Um, and again, it, it happens in real time, and it's where risk really resides, and it is the 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 thing that workers have to deal with on a day to day basis. So, I, for for me personally, I think it's that. There are opportunities if we want to manage risk, where dynamic risk resides, then we have to have greater consultation and participation with where, with workers who do the work, so that as an organisation we have a true understanding of how dynamic risk is being managed. And from a worker's point of view, we have an opportunity to hear how successful work is done, and we have an opportunity to hear when work has the potential to become unsuccessful.
1: Because work as imagined or work as planned was based on a set of assumptions. And we've, we've assumed that these are the types of uh, hazard situations that could arise. But obviously, if dynamic risk means that it's a constant changing environment, then work as done is going to be much more reflective of, of what that variability is. Yeah. or what those oh, yeah. changing conditions are.
2: And that's something we're, on our construction sites we try and talk to people about is, you know, if the wind's changing or it's going to be, you know, today here it's 34 degrees, right? It's hot, you know. So if you're working on the roof, you're going to be facing different things. You, you, there's it's changing all the time. And that's why I really like, I hate seeing these safe work method statements that people do and it's been constructed in an office somewhere months before you're on the job and they never change. You know, one of the things I like to talk to people about is, well, you know, have you updated it for the weather conditions today or have you updated it for the boom lift and the trench behind the boom lift, you know? It just needs to be simple. You know, have you spoken to you guys or the team, has the team got together and go, okay, what are we going to do to stop us and inadvertently forgetting that that trench is there because we're up twenty meters and back ten meters, we forget that it's there because you forget, don't you?
1: You do. So, but how can our safety systems support that? Because that that's really the the, the, the interesting part from my perspective. Yeah. So, so how do we how do we create safety systems that can support that? Because systems by the, by themselves are quite flat.
2: Well, it's static, aren't they? Well, the yeah.
1: Nature. And I sort of wonder if we should start up the Flat Earth Society. Maybe we, you know, systems see the world as being flat. The Flat Safety Society. The Flat Safety... Well, oh, yeah, oh, that, could, that could be quite interesting. Might have to trademark that. Um,
0: <laughs> and if anyone listened to our last podcast, you'll know that Brent is going to become flattened at some point by a big bus. <laughs> so actually, I suspect he could be the president of that club.
1: Well, I'd actually, who I'd this, actually, Who thought a
2: podcast could be so dynamic with risk?
0: Well, who would have thought?
1: Well, I'd actually like to share with the audience that this podcast is being recorded from a ward in a public hospital where I'm recovering from being struck (laughs) by a bus driven by my colleague, Glynis McCarthy.
0: And believe me, I did a good job. I made sure I backed up as well.
1: Yeah.
2: got up to speed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely.
1: So so what was interesting is that I I was recently asked to try and um, create some form of uh, checklist that could be used as part of a risk assurance process. And um, once again, we had this conversation about the fact that uh, there is no one method that can identify everything that actually happens. And that we need to use more than one method to try and get that depth and breadth. And we really talked about that what we should be doing is we should be using a a checklist as a a way or means of creating a a conversation or creating um, thinking within a group. Because the checklist by nature is going to ask you to look for something in particular, so it's going to constrain you. But what we're looking for is through that constraint process is for them to actually um, look at the different types of situations that can arise from what they're being asked to actually look at. Whereas a learning team is very much around um, having that sort of brainstorming component, having a much more free flow component that links. I think the things can come together. An example of that was, and this one was around mobile plant, was that the question that was being posed to them was about, um, you know, can mobile plant and people interact with each other? And then it had some different types of circumstances. So example was, when a mobile plant is loading or unloading in an area, for example, was one of those examples. And if they said, yes, that mobile plant and people can interact, okay, when there's loading and unloading and loading happening, then the next question to stimulate was how and where could that occur? So it was trying to get the context to that. Yeah. So rather than saying it's present, which is great, so we know it's present. What's the context of it being present? And then the second part of that question was, what are we currently doing to stop that from happening? Because obviously people and plants shouldn't mix. Yep. Because that's when things go wrong. And then the last part of the question was, and if it did happen, what would be the likely impact to you?
2: Oh, so personalising it.
1: Yeah, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand is it one of those potential stickies? Yep. Because if it is a sticky, then that's where the organisation should then look to do more about how to support that successful outcome. If that result of that was, you know, a tickle or a scratch, why would you bother? If the outcome would be joining me in the ward here... (laughs) then you want to do more about it in that way. And I sort of wonder that we have this conversation about dynamic risk, but are we doing ourselves any justice without actually trying to contextualise it um, um, better? Make sense? Because it's a concept. We're talking about a concept. Well, what does that mean? Yeah.
0: I think also in health and safety, you have to be really mindful of uh, the worker and, and the audience that we're talking to. So a lot of the workers that that we work with have English as a second or a third or a fourth language, you know, have some literacy issues, um, particularly here in Auckland, but we've got a really diverse workforce. I'm certainly not making um, big generalisations, but, you know, we have a number of of workers in New Zealand um, that, you know, their literacy and language skills are such that it's really difficult for them to engage in really highly academic text. And once we start using words such as dynamic risk, we start to use academic words, abstract words, They don't actually conjure up a kind of a meaning. You know, when we talk about the words, say, if I contrast the words, say, likelihood versus chance, you know, when I use the word likelihood for a lot of people with English as a second or third or fourth language, actually, that doesn't conjure up any kind of tangible meaning. If I start to use the word chance, a lot of people will say, oh, that's a little bit like, you know, the roll of a dice. Or it's, about, it's like buying a lottery ticket. You know, people can kind of visualize in their mind's eye what that word means. So yeah. we have to be really careful with the language that we choose. And we have to be selective according to the audience that we're working with. So we've got a workforce that's highly educated, that has, you know, got a technical knowledge background then I think things like, you know, using dynamic risk and unpacking it and seeing what it means for us in, in our context, that works really well. But if we've got a highly diverse workforce where language and literacy barriers may prevail. Then, in fact, using words like dynamic risk, I think they get lost. And so I think that we always need to, the starting point is, what is the way that we can have shared understanding of concepts and a shared language set so that when we are using words to describe a situation, actually both the the, the sender of that information and the receiver of that information, are actu- they've got some commonality so that they can understand what that message that's trying to be conveyed.
2: I think that's a, um, such an important point, and I think quite often in the safety space that we operate in, that we forget about that and we use language that's just doesn't mean things to people, and I, you know, and you know I do I do it from time to time, but I remember you know we talked about that youth group where they had that incident, and then we did a learning team where they came up with the risks, and it was what they were doing is going hiking and camping, and it was very dynamic, and the, you wouldn't use that those words with that or that particular word hmm. with that group, you just want to understand. What they um you know what are the risks and how they're going to do it if there, the weather changes or there's a bushfire or whatever it might be, and they 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 get there by themselves, and I think the other thing that okay, and it is dynamic risk. I think it's a way of describing it. But how do we give that information back to the workforce or back to the people that are facing that risk?
0: So that they can that actually it was, own it as a concept, as yeah. well as the kind of the physicality of that risk where risk resides.
2: Yes. And that's okay. where stuff gets lost in multi-page documents. I'm not saying it should be one page or two pages or 10 pages. I'm just saying that I think we need to be cognizant of that, how we give that back to them so we're, we've captured it and we've done something with it that people can use and it's, and it's useful.
1: Well, I, I think like everything else, if, if we think about it in terms of, say, uh, health and safety information, by describing some of the hazardous situations that can arise. Yeah. Rather than saying "here's the hazard," you know, uh, keep clear of moving forklifts. Yeah, thanks like, for that. Yeah, I, I it's to to me that statement doesn't doesn't that could be misunderstood and could be misinterpreted about when do I keep clear? If it is it stationary, do I keep clear when it's not moving? Now all these things. So yeah. so that's why describing these. Um, has a situations become really important because that's what's driving context for people. And and those has situations are things where a person could visualize that situation occurring to them. And by them visualizing it, it's going to help you know embed some things into into their own mind. Now I'm not suggesting at any point that, that it's all about blood and gore. Okay, because that's not the objective. What we're trying to say is that um, people are working these changing conditions, these changing environments every day, and how how the hazard becomes present and, and how a person can be exposed to it and how the energy can be released can continue to vary. Let isn't alone that, isn't
2: that the Sorry. Well, isn't it, that the, the point of work? they won't have actually thought about it until they can visualize it in their own mind's eye, right? That, you know, if you ask the right question and go, you know, what do you think can happen here? And then they come back to you and say, well, I think this can happen. Then you've now got somewhere so much better than the words keep away from moving forklift, isn't it? That you've had that discussion, you've had that conversation with them. It's it's super powerful.
1: It, It is. And you can also think about some of the psychosocial components of people as well about, you know, tiredness and, and rushing yeah. um, and, you know, frustration and, um, you know, all, all these things that we talk about, which, which we all sort of lump into meaning distraction or being complacent. Um, all those things, you know, have an effect on us. Uh, it makes me laugh sometimes when we tell people, you know, if you're feeling tired, you know, you should stop doing the job. Um, that, that, that assumes that the person actually has the capacity to reason still because they are so tired that they're now Mm. fatigued. Does it make sense? These things sort of make me laugh sometimes because it's assuming that the person can actually um, reason at that point in time in that way. But if we don't start to have those conversations, then how can people uh, understand the uh, complex nature of what can occur? Because we can't give them every potential scenario that can arise.
2: And I think if we go back to your point, Brent, about tiredness, and we say, um, you know, if you're feeling tired, you should stop the task, right? But the business, actually, they don't have the ability, to, the capacity to stop the task. You know, you take transport workers, mm-hmm. you go, oh, if you feel tired, pull over. But they have to have it delivered to a certain grocery chain by 11 o'clock that night, and they've still got 150 kilometres to go. In their mind, they don't have that. No, you're not empowered same, I'm to do, do that.
1: that. Yeah, look, okay, absolutely. I mean, and how many accidents
2: do we see in that space where that's happening?
1: Oh, look, quite often, um, you know, Glynis and I were um, uh, doing a piece of work the other week where um, uh, this was one of the items that appeared on their take five. And I asked the question of management if someone ticked, um, you know, if they tick that and said they are tired, what happens? yeah. Do you send them home and, and pay for them to have a nap? I mean, what what do you do?
0: And the reality was that actually those forms weren't collected until the end of the day. Those forms were put together and bundled together and maybe reviewed at some point in the distant future. How does that inform practice? How does that keep people safe?
2: But but imagine if they did have an accident and they had ticked tired and then the regulator comes along and says, but they said they were tired and you did nothing about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... You know, back to back to safety waste, right? Why would you even have that form if you're not going to do anything with it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Hopefully the audience today has gone on an interesting journey around this conversation about dynamic risk and the ups and downs that are with it. Obviously, we really value your feedback. So it'd be really good to hear from you and to hear from you about other topics that you find of interest. So wrapping up with my colleagues, would, would you like to add anything else, um, Glynis?
0: I think we just need to be really care- careful about the choice of words that we use. And I think that we need to make sure that we've got commonality in terms of shared understanding around concepts and a shared language set. There is no point us coming up with fancy ideas and fancy words to describe things if actually the person that's receiving that information doesn't get what the point is
1: and for you brent robinson
2: yeah i think it's the same thing it's about these buzzwords that come into this particular profession from time to time and um and exactly people not understanding what it actually means work by its nature is dynamic and variable and uh we need to take that into account.
1: And work by nature will always be dynamic and variable. Variable, yes. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the Community of Practice of Learning teams at www. Dot learning teams dot com.